So I, uh, I can tell when folks try to sometimes like get over a little bit, and you can too. You and I both know that uh, we can tell the difference when they're coming with it and when they're not. Like, like, like when you have a meal, right, and somebody prepares a meal and they, uh, they bring by like, you know, a dessert or they just bring by something that's like a little, little sweet. You know, like, like somebody bring by like some chicken or some chicken where they like trying to put their foot in the chicken. You know, like, like there's, a, there's definitely, definitely a difference, a difference of like somebody making some macaroni and cheese and then, you know, you got like real cheese, then you got like pasteurized processed cheese that's like contains 100% cheese. Then you got, you know, pasteurized processed cheese food, which means it contains at least 51% of the cheese. And then you got like, pasteurized processed cheese product <laughs> you know what i'm saying then you just got like stuff that just it is spelled cheese with a z you know what i'm saying they don't even want to be near like it's just and you can tell when somebody tried to like go off and like give you the real cheese and i'm not talking about somebody that like you know they're trying to bless you but pockets a little tight i've been there before for sure and lord knows i done made some crazy concoctions with what i had not talking about that Talking about like when somebody like just does it and they just trying to give you food, but it's it's not really to bless you. It's not really to like see you see you're good. It's just to check it off the box. I remember once we had a, a church event and uh, I was in charge of the church event. So now I go to get uh, this, 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 go get the ice cream. And uh, at this church event, like, you know, I walk in the store and 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 like they got the big jumbo tub of ice cream, you know, the big plastic one got the plastic, you know, handle so you can carry that bag boy out the store. You know, that the, the weigh you down a little bit. I would go to that. That one would have tasted like Baskin Robbins in comparison to what I bought. I, I bought something that didn't even say like ice cream on the carton because it didn't even want to be like, they didn't want to do no, you know, messed up uh, advertising. They knew it was nowhere near. And, and, and then I called myself trying to be a good steward and was being cheap. And I remember when, we, when, we, when, we, when I served it and we gave it out, I remember like us all laughing about it. Because it's like, Lee, what did, what did you bring here? Like, what, what even is this? You know what I don't remember? I, I don't remember anyone saying thank you. And I don't blame them. Because it, you could tell by what I was giving them, I was not really thinking of them. I actually was not trying to be generous at all. I was being selfish. I'm sure God was not looking at me. He, he probably was looking at everyone eating it like, Hey, y'all, that ain't on me. That's on Leon. I, I, I did not tell him to do that. <laughs> Family, today we're going we're gonna to talk about generosity and how generosity and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Generosity and thanksgiving go hand in hand. And God's word is going to encourage us in thanksgiving 
that flows from generosity. If you will, get your Bibles uh, or get, your, get the app up on your phone because we're going to be flipping a little bit today. Uh, if you can go to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 Corinthians 16 in the New Testament. Uh, the first, in, in, in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So in this first chapter, he's trying to communicate the beauty of the gospel. And I'm not trying to dress it up, make it fancy for you. What I'm trying to do is make sure you understand this God and how much he loves you and how much he has done for you. And so that's that's kind of the the the, the first Corinthians. But then in 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 the book of second Corinthians, you get this same theme of understanding the gospel. But added with that come come a little bit of perspective on what ministry is like. You get some encouragement and holy living. And you also get this affirming of Paul's apostleship. And then there's this section that talks about about giving, about being generous. And, and I want to make sure I'm defining that term generous. How would you define the term generous? Is it just like getting what you maybe expected? Now, generosity, being generous is defined as showing a readiness to give more of something, more of money or more of time, giving more than is strictly necessary or is even expected. The opposite of being generous, kind of giving more than what is expected, is being selfish, withholding and containing and keeping back what might be a blessing. So, so we enter into this, this Corinthian story with Paul, Paul being, being this leader, and he has some church folks. He has some folks that are struggling, some folks that's down on their luck, some folks that are poor and they are a poor church in Jerusalem and Paul has gone around to Galatia and he's been recruiting. He's been doing a, a fundraising campaign. He's selling the Girl Scout cookies. Now he's trying to raise some money for his people that are struggling, raising money for the Jerusalem church. And so we enter into 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Read those with me. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches at Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. No collecting when I come. On the first day of every week, each of you go ahead, put something aside so that when I come, there doesn't need to be any scrambling for it. You've already set it aside. You notice what isn't in those verses? You notice what's missing? A number. Paul does not talk about generosity and give them all a number. Wouldn't that have been easier just to say, look, we got some people struggling here. I'm going to ask each of y'all, we come away 8% off the top every day. Put it aside so when I come get it. But no. No, he doesn't do that. He says each of you is to put something aside and store it up. 
And you're going to see this continued connection to generosity is also this freedom of choice. That generosity is not something that is, that is mandated, but actually there's this great freedom that you have to be able to express a generous heart. And so from there, Paul tells them, hey, I want y'all to know I've been going through some stuff. Uh, I've been going through some affliction, some anguish, so hard with a lot of tears. But but you guys, I love and I love you dearly. So now if you would jump with me to second Corinthians, flip a few pages over chapter eight. Because because and now he's now what what he's doing, he's talking to the Corinthian church. And he's going to tell them about a model. He's going to give them an, an example. He says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1, and, 1 through 3. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. He's, he's trying to, to first give them a model. If you want to know what generosity looks like flowing in a church congregation, here's one example. Macedonia. Macedonia folks are, are going through some drama. They're going through some severe affliction themselves. They could be like, well, you need something. We're going through something over here. But no, that, that affliction, that hurdle does not stop them from being willing to be generous. And in their generosity, they give. They give with joy. They give a uh, uh, some out of extreme poverty. But they gave according to their means and they gave beyond their means. And he lets, lets this kind of last little phrase of their own accord. He's going to keep trying to say of their own accord. Why? Because he wants to make sure that the Corinthian church knows and that you and I know that giving should never be pressured. You should never be pressured into your giving. You should never feel a weight and a, and, a, and a guilted burden associated with generosity. Makes that really clear. You see, some of us know what it's like to give a lot because we're trying to impress people. Some of us know what it's like because somebody shamed us and made us feel bad. And so we went ahead and wrote the check to try to cleanse the guilt off of us. I was uh, trying to do some research because, you know, the, the, the phrase keeping up with the Joneses, that that phrase, I'm like, man, how how real is that? So I actually start studying and doing some research and a, uh, an economist that's with the Philadelphia Federal Reserve uh, did a research piece that CNBC, um, that they, they wrote an article on. This guy named Thomas Frank uh, from CNBC wrote. He said, there's actually, the, title, the article is called, There's Now Analytical Proof Behind Keeping Up with the Joneses. 
And keeping up with the Joneses is a, is a, is a way in which we choose to use our money based on how other people are using theirs. Guess what they used as one of the standards, though? They said, social pressure to compete with neighbors with sudden lotto riches is so great that it leads to a significant increase in both the amount of credit and mortgages people are willing to incur based on this research. The larger the lottery reward a lucky gambler collects, the more likely his or her neighbors are to file for bankruptcy. According to a New York working paper from the Philadelphia Reserve that sought to find analytical backing for the keeping up with the Joneses theory, basically the research found that social pressure to compete with one's neighbors on exciting new purchases is so great that it leads to a significant increase in both the amount of credit and mortgages people are willing to incur. What does that mean? That means you hit the lotto, you start balling. I ain't balling like that, but I'm trying to keep up with you, so I start spending like you spending even though I ain't got it and there's proof that shows neighbors start filing bankruptcy you see these crazy pressures that happen with with how we spend our money and Paul is trying to say ain't no pressure now when it comes to generosity when it comes to generosity it flows each one you do your own thing each one give out of what you got each one don't look to the left, don't look to the right. You flow according to what you can give. And so it's, it's quite cool to see him refocusing them, but I'm curious to know, and throw it in the chat for me if y'all can. What's, what's one of the things that might tempt you to, to kind of start looking over at the Joneses? What's, what's some of the some of the things we had a homie in the church? He bought a bought a G8 and my car worked good. I'm thankful for my car. But he bought this G8. This G8 was so cold. I started looking at G8s for like three weeks. Like what? Like, but 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 don't 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 understand why Paul is putting so much emphasis on making sure that no one feels pressured because we do even if we put the pressure on ourselves. So I'm curious to know in the chat, what might lean you to more look at keeping up with the Joneses? Is it the newest baby stroller? Is it the newest cell phone? Is it the newest Moby rap? Is it the newest, you know what I'm saying, LeBron's? You know, come on. Where the old school players? Where you at, Carl? Is it the new Gators? Come on. But I love that that. In this example, their affliction doesn't hinder them from being generous. It doesn't hinder them from being generous at all. Continue reading. So now read with me. We're going to jump to chapter 9. And chapter 9 is going to be where we settle for most of the day. Don't worry. I'm going to still get you out enough to go start, you know, tenderizing your, your turkey and everything and and I just want to be clear. Uh, I have had people bless us with meals and all types of stuff, and they didn't have much. So even my opening illustration 
was not about, you know, you got to have the nicest cheese. Because we've had people that start marinating meat two days beforehand just to bless us. You know what I mean? So, 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 but, it, but you can tell when someone is putting love in a meal and when somebody just, just give me some Pop-Tarts. You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. Y'all know the difference. We're going to read pay, chapter 9. Now, it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, I'm not saying that correctly, but Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would, as you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Fam, this is, this is Paul telling them, hey, I'm going to send Titus. I'm going to send this brother ahead with Titus, who's famous for preaching. Um, his name's not, not given to us, but he's, he's famous for preaching. And I'm going to send this crew ahead because I, I want you to be able to come through on what you said you would do. Look, it's going to be humiliating to all of us if I've been talking about y'all as an amazing church and y'all don't give nothing to help your poor brothers and sisters. And if these other churches who now are starting to see who you are, if they hear about you, they're going to look at you. So you're going to be humiliated. I'm going to be humiliated. So let me go ahead and get a crew together to come ahead to prepare you. And family, we all know how important it is to just come through with our word. And so Paul is, is, is kind of pumping them up. Okay, we're going to come through with our word. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stay committed. This is not out of a legalistic thing. No, this is out of love, but out of love, follow through. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've been on that end, that end of having a need and then somebody said they're going to fulfill that need and then they don't come through. And then not, not only do they don't come through, they don't come through on sometimes like a no call, no show. You ever like needed a ride, call up somebody, they say they coming, cool, you set up everything ready and then they just don't come? Like don't, just don't come. Now you scrambling, trying to find out. And, and, and right now what's happening is Paul sees a need that's taking place among the poor. And he sees the church in Corinth being able to help. And he wants them to follow through so that it can be a blessing. Continue with me, verses 6 through 11. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 11. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Giving with this general type of heart, this this generous type of heart, this generous type of posture is, is one way of unlocking God's grace, God's favor, and God's blessings. And some people are going to be like, hold up, pastor. That's sounding a little crazy, but I'm going to just say it again for clarity. Giving with a generous heart and a generous posture unlocks God's grace, his favor, and his blessings. So now, now, Pastor, you're starting to sound a little bit like a, a, pro, a prosperity person, like you, you're trying to like take God and, and control him a little bit. And, and I, I want to say, like, you, 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 you got you to gotta take God's word like pretty plainly. Now, I think these prosperity preachers manipulate us and they lie to us and they're smooth. So they take a little bit of truth and add on what they want to say to be able to take advantage of folks. And what they do is they'll say, hey, if you give one hundred dollars now, God's going to multiply by 10 or by, you know, next week. So go ahead and get ready to plant your seed today so you can reap your thousand dollar harvest tomorrow. And that is lies. We can't control God. We can't force his hand. But we can trust him. We can believe that when he says, hey, when he gives us this example that is so clear, he gives an example for people who 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 are in an agrarian culture. But I don't even farm. And I get that if you want to see some stuff grow, you got to plant. And the more you plant, the more will harvest. Now, I don't know if you planting today financially will reap that your family member is healthy or that that problem you were trying to work out at the job and nobody can fix it out. God fix it. God gave it to you to be able to work out or a relationship that was so strained sometimes gets healed or financial. But I don't know how God's going to work. I don't know exactly what the harvest is going to look like in your life. I do know that there is there's an evangelistic posture of planting seed. There's also a kingdom posture, though, of God saying, I see you investing in my kingdom. And for that, my child, I will bless you for that. My child, my grace will flow through you for that. My child, my favor will be with you and I'm thankful that that's the reality. But again, it goes back to our heart position, right? Because in no way is the harvest about me or the harvest about you. There's no way that that we can have a pure heart in celebrating Christ and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and give this so I can get this. No. No, there's no way that we could be trying to, trying to control the hand of God. 
Why would you limit our beautiful God's hand in that way? His favor surpasses everything you and I could ever imagine. So we want to trust him into responding appropriately. You want to see God move in our world? You want to see God acting? You want to see his presence felt? Watch how his people invest their time and their money. Watch how how we're generous or selfish. Watch how we love and give up time or we keep it to ourselves. As we give, God's grace flows and is increased or decreased based on our generosity and our giving. The needs of the hurting being cared for take place when God's grace flows through us. We get a chance to model his gracious character. We get a chance to model that. You've been talking, Pastor, a lot about about generosity and giving. You've been talking a lot about money. You've been talking a lot about a a heart that has to be open to, to, to doing this, not out of legalism, not out of some law, not out of some mandate, but actually just a freedom to, to be generous with others based on where I am. So, Pastor, what does that have to do with Thanksgiving? Continue with me, verses 12 through 15. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Do you, do you see that there's going to be this, this, this kind of like ping pong experience, this tennis experience, this, this kind of back and forth where, where God does something in you where you are aware of a need. The church in Macedonia were, uh, was aware of a need and they served as a model. The church in Corinth now has an opportunity to respond and say, my brother, my sister have a need. They're hurting. We can collect We can do what we can, whether we are challenged or not. Let's get something together to be a blessing unto them. When we do that, at some point, they're going to be a recipient. They're going to to receive what we're giving. And there is no gift like a God-centered gift that meets your need. That meets your need. And so and so they are going to respond in that moment. Not with, yep, that's right, they better have brought it. They're going to respond in that moment, not with a an arrogance. They're going to respond in that moment with thanksgiving. 
with, with, a, with a, a, a heart of gratitude, with a, we were struggling, we were down and out, we were afflicted, we were experiencing the weight of poverty, and look what you did, God, you came through. Look how you showed out. But see, it doesn't stop there. Because the, the person who's the recipient of this, of this generosity is going to celebrate. That person is going to have thanksgiving that overflow to God. But also, we as the givers, we see that God's grace is flowing through us, that he is using us as a conduit, that we are a channel of his grace, of his blessings, of his favor to someone else. And we stand back and say, you, you did that through me? Your grace flowed like that through me to care and bless somebody else? God, thank you. Thank you. You see, thanksgiving is not simply about me being grateful for the people around me. That, that is a component. And, and this year, maybe more than some other years, y'all, we are truly thankful for some of the relationships we have and grateful for some of the people that are with us because everyone's not able to celebrate in that way. But some of us might be, might be struggling with being able to experience a sense of joy because maybe we don't give. Maybe, maybe we're not actually generous. Maybe, oh, pastor, I don't have a lot of money. That's okay. I'm not saying you need to have a lot of money, baby. You can give what you can. Give of your time. Give of your finances. Give, create something at the house. You have this thing, though. It's this thing. It's called a God-centered lens. So now, as a Christian, you can't walk through life like this anymore. You can't be blind to the hurting, to the needs of others. And so now that you see needs, God will speak to you and say, I want you to respond like this. But God, you know I plan, I want you to respond like this. And he, be, and he uses you to bless someone else's need. And, and, and what I love about this is if they ask, if you get an opportunity, if more conversations happen afterwards, the posture is not that they would say, man, that person was a cool person. Man, how did they know? Man, that was awesome. At some point, the hope is that you will testify to the God that has extended you grace. That you will be able to say, oh man, you thankful for what I did for you. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for what God has done for me. We are thankful together. Why? Because we are blessed by a God who has given everything. That's why the harvest is, is, is interesting. It's interesting because if you actually look at the scripture, he's saying God is the one who gave the seed and the harvest. Your ability to even bless someone else 
came from God and that person's ability to receive it and to be cared for and blessed came from God. So who are we but vessels being used by a holy, loving God? Family, let's be thankful this holiday. Thankful that God would choose to use us. Thankful that he would choose to work through us. And be thankful that he would choose to let somebody else see our need and they may bless us. Your job ain't all that, that you're too good to be blessed. Your pedigree ain't all that, that you're too good, that you don't have any needs. Yes, it's very clear in this text that they were helping the poor. A very felt real need. But when you, when you enter into a life of a body, when you enter into a Christian family, we realize we all have needs. And I'm praying, y'all, that God would give us an ability to just let go and let his grace use us, that we might be able to point people back to God through our generosity. We got a, a, a few things coming up. Um, I was talking to my homie this week, a pastor, and he said, man, I was, I was trying to go to DTE, and I got caught up. He said, I, was, I, was, I, I realized on my block that this woman keeps taking a, a propane tank in and out of her house, and I realized they're heating their home with a gas propane tank. So I tried to go down to DTE. I, all I had was her, her first name, uh, but I have to have her last name in order to pay the bill. They won't even tell me how much it is, and, and I'm trying now to think through how can I do this with dignity so this sister feels cared for and doesn't feel demeaned. Praying my brother has wisdom of how to do it. But see, some, something happened where he was cutting the grass, or where he was raking the leaves, and he, he looked, saw her one day with the propane tank. Ain't think nothing of it. Maybe she barbecuing in the backyard. Just rakes again, rakes again, looks at, did she go again? Out, and now he realizes what the situation is. See, sometimes God puts us in a place where we are the ones that see the need where no one else will. And, and, and God does not say, and I want you to only give out of your abundance. When you are balling after you done paid everybody off, your investments is tight and you're ready. Now go ahead and be generous. You see, I love that because it, it requires dependence on us from day one. They're, they're showing here that even in affliction, even with some people struggling financially, even though some of them were poor, they gave. And so if the Lord hasn't shown you some needs, that's okay. Sometimes others will bring needs to you. That's why we share with you today about the, the Mac Development Thanksgiving dinners that we're going to be giving out. Maybe, maybe that's the way you can help. Uh, Mac Development is going to be having a matching grant uh, in the future. They're going to be having a, 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 a what's it called when you, the um, Giving Tuesday uh, that helps support nonprofits. And they're going to have a matching grant that's going to go on in the future. Um, the, the church is going to be trying to help a few families during Christmas. 
Uh, maybe you might want to help with that. I, I don't know all the ways God could use you. But if you don't know of a need that's out there, simply ask. Hey, y'all, like, I just want to be sensitive to God moving. If anybody know of any needs where I'm, I'm the way he wires me might be a blessing. It might, it might be you writing a card to a, to a person that just needs a bit of an encouragement. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but the Spirit does. Be open. Be open to the Spirit moving. And the last, the last verse, verse 15. I'll read verse 14 and 15. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Inexpressible gift. I've only seen in movies, and it's in movies with a rich, spoiled kid. I've only seen in movies with a rich, spoiled kid, a person get a gift They look at it, open it up, and then they throw it and say, what is this? This isn't what I asked for. I've never actually seen that in front of me in real life. But God is giving us the opportunity to accept a gift. The gift is himself. And he's presenting himself unto us And presenting this opportunity for us to be conduits, to be used by his grace, vessels used by him. But he's presenting himself and saying, now what will you do with me? There's three options. Option number one is to throw him to the side like a tantrum and say, I don't believe in you. I don't accept the gift. Option number two. Is to, is to accept the gift, but, but kind of do like people do when they get fruitcake. Act like you're thankful when you really ain't. <laughs> you know? It's like, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's the Christians who will be in seats, excuse me, that's the people who will fill church pews but are not Christians. They go through the motions, they smile and say thanks, but really they're not grateful for the gift of Christ and they don't accept him. And then lastly, they choose to be grateful for the gift and accept it fully with joy. If you are a person who who is not walking with Christ today, you're being presented with the opportunity to accept the greatest gift ever. How will you respond? Our prayer is that you will respond with, with a heart of joy, with one of obedience, with one of acceptance, where you say nothing else matters. How loving is this God that he could give me such a gift, the gift of Christ. Second, uh, excuse me, not second, it is Second uh, Corinthians 8, verse 9. I did not give this to you guys, but it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. For your sake and for my sake. Don't throw out the gift. He's offering a, a change in our reality from being dead to being made alive by the power of his blood on the cross. He's done that for you and me. Don't throw out the gift. If you've accepted Jesus today, if you want to walk with Jesus today, simply repeat after me, God, I believe in you. I have sinned. And I want to change my life. I recognize I can't do it by myself. I want to submit to you, Jesus. You died for my sins. Now I can live in freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer and meant it in your heart, today can be the first day. Today is the first day. Today is the day where we start jamming with you. We start celebrating if, you, if that's your new reality. Allow this gift to be the greatest blessing you've ever received. We want to walk with you. We want to journey with you. We want to see you grow in discipleship and be cared for at this church. So please join the Zoom call afterwards or reach out to our church phone number at some point, which is 313-444-0036. But for those of you that have been walking with Christ for some time, I ask, what does, what does this, this expression of grace look like? I'm not asking you, and I pray you, I pray that I fall in line with Paul's posture. One that is not of guilt, one is not of shame, and one that is not of expectation, where your pastor's walking around, how many needs did you meet? How many needs did you meet? None of that. But I think it's fair to ask, in what ways are you sowing in God's kingdom? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Sowing in his kingdom with your finances and sowing in God's kingdom with your time. How are you open? I don't want people out here rat chasing. Let me find a need and help somebody. Let me do it. Nope. But how are you open to if God shows you a need? Whether it's through the conduit of the church, whether it's through something you see out in the community, how open are you to responding so that somebody else might be able to have a posture of thanksgiving because it encourages me and you in our postures of thanksgiving? Let us pray together. Lord, we are entering into a season of thanksgiving where uh, that term will be tossed out a lot. We recognize, Father, that, man, you choose us to be examples of your grace. We only can do that because we've received so much grace from you. Let our, our generosity towards others, let us help with needs that you bring to our attention, but let it be so that we boast in you and you alone. Guide us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, 
I, um, I'm asking that, that uh, we encourage one another in this. Uh, and I'm also asking that you, you be wise. Again, no guilt, so don't, be, don't, be, don't leave your turkey on the, on the table and run and go help somebody because pastor said, you ain't going to get me beat up. But listen to how the Lord leads. We're now going to do, do a couple of things. We're going to continue in worship.